0: Hockey. Yeah, yeah. My favorite, it's Judd's Hockey Show. And welcome in to Judd's Hockey Show. It's Judd, it's A.J. Fredrickson, who often joins me on the show. Plenty to discuss today, Age. We've got uh, three games, three of the four games on the West Coast Swing, in which the Wild went 2-2, two and two, which actually is not too bad. But before we do, what I want to talk about today's sponsor. As always, I want to thank the folks at Livia Weight Control Centers, who helped me uh, drop 40 pounds a couple of years ago. And I'm going to tell you right now, they can not only help you drop the weight, but they can help you keep that weight off. And that's the most important thing. Um, This is a program, too. If you join now, guess what? Good chance that you're down 10 pounds by January 1st. So on New Year's Day, when all your friends are saying, I got to start to lose weight, you've already lost weight. You've already got a head start. Join today and you're going to get your first eight weeks for free. 855 go L I V E A, Livia.com. L I V E A, Livia.com. Voted Minnesota's best weight loss program. Three years in a row. Check them out. We appreciate their sponsorship of Judd's Hockey Show. All right, Age. Let's get right to it. This team is now with John Hines as coach. They're five and two. When Dean Evason was fired a couple of weeks ago, this team was uh, on the outside of the playoff picture by seven points. That is now down to four points. They're off again until Thursday, so they'll probably fall a little bit farther back. But uh, five and two, a two and two road trip. A lot to talk about. Um, Just as far as specifics go, but want to get your thoughts on where you think this team stands right now, coming off an impressive three nothing win against the Seattle team that's dropped eight consecutive games. But nonetheless, I like what I saw last night in how the wild came back from back to back losses.
1: Yeah. And how about uh, how big of a shutout that was needed for the likes of Philip Gustafson, a guy that has struggled quite a bit this season so far, you know, you've got the Gus bus advertisements running, not weird. It's wild. And in the meantime, he's uh, just having a little bit of a, a rough season, a rough go, but I mean, what, uh, what a fun time it's been for him, uh, just to get a bounce back shutout. I mean, that, that's gotta be a boost to the confidence. Hopefully sets the the sights aligned and now we can uh, get back to the Gus bus. We know of 2022, um, But yeah, you're right. Um, Last night, it was a matchup against a Seattle Kraken team that is not necessarily scoring proficient. They struggle to find the back of the net, but that's exactly the type of performance. Uh, It's a game that I expected a lot of what we saw, which is good news. Um, They were able to maintain the offensive zone um, at times. That third period, There was a lot of chances where they were pretty much leading the way and just couldn't find the back of the net. That that 3-0 win easily could have been a 4 or 5-0, honestly. Um, Mm -hmm. And that's, you know, I I would like to harp on that, but it's tough to when they do win the game. But um, there's some finishing that needs to be worked out, and I'm sure hopefully the goals will come in that aspect, especially when you're generating those chances. But in terms of how I feel after that road trip, it was a good response. It's a good way to end it. Now you're coming home, you have a few days off, I want to say the next game for them is Thursday at home yeah, Calgary the Flames. Yep. Uh, that's right. So um yeah, it you know you come home you ended on a good note the two games prior kind of a tough watch. Uh, it, you could say that it was uh the the new coach high was sort of wearing off but I'm glad to see they kind of turned that
0: around, put that to bed and uh yeah, a good way to end the road trip. I like it. 3 nothing win. So they went their four, first four games with Hines as coach and yes that's a pretty typical hockey thing, where hey, coach has changed, you get a jump start. Um, the Wild looked good, but what I thought was important too was okay, what happens when? And it's a small one, but when you get your first little hint of adversity, right? The Canucks shut you out, the Oilers beat you four three, and we'll certainly talk about the Brodeen hit by Evander Kane, but get into the fact that Ryan Hartman. Pretty foolishly attempts to retaliate, gets a retaliatory penalty. Uh, the Oilers then go up 4 3 on a power play goal because their power play is damn good. But what I wanted to see, and I know that the Kraken aren't good, but I thought it was very important to see what's the response here too, like with John Hines now. And how does Hines respond as well? Let me give you something I absolutely loved last night. Okay. I loved, absolutely adored the fact that he mixed up the first and second lines. And I was beginning to think there might be something in Zuccarello's and Kaprizov's contracts that required them never to be (laughs) broken up the BFFs of all time. And I understand that they're friends, but you know, that was the one thing from Dean. I was always like, break them up. Just, you got to break them up. And that doesn't mean they can't be reunited at some point. And like the most he did was break them up for like a period. Right. And it was always, Mm -hmm. I'm going to slap them back together. It's like, Why? I thought last night was fantastic. Now, Eck, does Eck belong on that top line? Because like he's got he's got such a skill set, probably debate that. But here's what I absolutely loved. Eureka, Kaprizov, and Boldy have chemistry. And then Rossi, who I di- did not know until I, I read um the athletics game story this morning, actually was sick for the Canucks and Edmonton game. So he was try- he was playing through an illness. <laughs> But he comes back then after being bumped off the first line. But he wasn't bumped off the first line to the third line. He was bumped off to the second line, um, with uh, Zuccarello and Johansson, who's had a mm. weird year. He's still yeah. he hasn't found he has not found it yet, and I'm sort of concerned about that. But anyway, the point being is, Zuccarello makes that great pass to Rossi, who scores a goal. So, John Hines, congratulations. You have proven that the world will not come to an end if Kirill Kaprizov and Matt Zuccarello are not on the same line. And, and it didn't get a ton of attention, but I'm telling you right now, I've been begging for that. You put them back together someday. I don't really care, but I, you know, when you're bending over backwards to keep two guys together because of what, what you think might occur, or you think they might be pissed off. I don't know that to me though, was an enormous step because John Hines stepped in and said, you know what? The Rossi-Kaprizov-Zuccarello line for two games was sort of like, yeah, ho-hum. I'm not going to watch that. I'm not going to watch that. And it worked. And again, I thought Boldy and Kaprizov looked fantastic. Like, this is why I'm not a proponent of constantly juggling line, lines like in-game and stuff. But this is why you juggle lines. This is what we wanted. This, this is the sort of thing Dean didn't do enough of, and I think ultimately was a part of why he's not the coach now.
1: Yeah, and you had that point, I want to say a week or two ago, and I'll echo it again here, similar to what you're seeing with John Hines, with his approach to coaching Marco Rossi, where he doesn't know the backstory as much. He wasn't here during the health issues and that that season where uh, last year where it's just like, he was just too small and he was getting knocked off the puck and he just wasn't the player that we're seeing now. And granted, we know that now we know on the road trip that he was battling some illness last night. It took him a little longer than I would have expected to maybe get into his game. But like you said, he gets that goal. He finds it. That's exactly what I want from John Hines. And I, you know, you come in a new coach. Did I have a lot of respect for him or like admire him as a coach just based off his coaching history? Not really. I mean, you know, it was a move that I didn't think for me moved the needle as much. But the fact that he... He, he took what was given to him. Now he's adjusting. And like you said, he did something that I think a lot of people expected, maybe the sky to fall, pigs to fly before it happened. You separate Zuccarello and Caprizov, look what happens. People, you, you don't just have one line that you're relying on. Now you have two lines. It should be like a 1A, 1B almost because you have that type of talent. You move it down. And frankly, I, I know you mentioned Johansson, his weird year. I want to say he played better last night because he was and maybe just the visual aspect of his line yeah. looking better with the likes of Rossi and Zuccarello. there driving the, you know, the momentum a little bit more. So in that case, he knows, he recognizes as a pro, you know, I kind of have to match this. So I think I thought he looked a little bit better, but yeah, I mean, what, what, what it's it's been a long time coming. I'm really glad John Hines decided to go ahead and finally make this move. And I think, for the while now, even if you reunite them at some point, you know you can always go back to this. You don't you don't have to have this shaking fear of well, what's going to happen? I don't know. No, it, right. We didn't have anybody punch each other in the locker room. We didn't have any media stormouts. Everything is fine. They're playing hockey. That's what they're doing. It's okay to shuffle lines and break people up. You got to try new things.
0: And the fact that that uh, to go back to what I said before, Rossi was taken from the first line to the second line. That's a step, too, because I feel like it previously at times was, well, Marco Rossi's is not playing well. He's going to have to pay the piper, and now he's going down to the third line or something like mm-hmm. that. So I love that. I thought that that was great. I also like the fact that late in games, Hines is not afraid to shuffle lines to put the guys he trusts the most out there. Yes. I don't remember seeing that with Dean. I might have missed it. And look, he, he put like an extra face-off guy out there, but like last night, I want to say it was like Ericksonek and Folino and was it Duhain? Like he had guys that he knew could lock things down. Yep. Um, and again, this is not rocket science. Like we're not talking <laughs> about, oh my God, John Hines has developed something. He's doing something that no one's done. This is strategy. But the strategic is what I missed. And John Hines' playoff record is not great. But these are the type of moves I think that you make in playoff games. Like, these are the type of moves that you make to lock things down. And I don't know if his teams have a problem like Dean's did or not, but how many times did did we talk about the fact that Dean didn't seem to really adjust, right? Like, Dean did things Dean's way, and that was sort of how Dean did things, and you'd get to springtime, and all hell would break loose, and Dean would get frustrated and sort of shrink, but he didn't respond. Like, these are the type of things, and the playoffs are a different beast. If the Wild makes it, we'll see then. But I, I like the strategic things, and again, they're not big, but I like the strategic things that we are seeing. Let's talk about this.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Friday night, the Brodeen hit. Evander Kane. It's from behind. Um, I don't know what the Department of Player Safety, which is a total oxymoron these days. I, I don't know what they're doing. They said that Brodeen could have protected himself because he threw a shoulder check himself. But you go back and watch that 100 out of 100 times, and that is a play that the National Hockey League is trying to get out of the game. And look, part of the danger of that that play now more than ever is the speed. Mm -hmm. Like, we've had a rash now of hits and questionable calls or questionable decisions by the uh, Department of Player Safety, and a lot of them are the speed of the game is so great now. Like, you have to be more careful. These are valuable commodities. And you know, when when uh, Kyle Connor goes out or Brodeen goes out, or you take your pick, that's a loss. Those guys are losses to the team that they're going out from to, to their fan base. So anyway, um, I was surprised that there wasn't a penalty call on the Kane on Brodeen hit because the official standing right there. I'm more surprised that there was not some type of of, like, one-game uh, suspension, and I don't know if you saw it, a night later on Hockey Night in Canada, Buffalo is playing Montreal, and a uh-huh. Buffalo player hits uh, hits a Montreal player exact same way. That Buffalo player gets a five-minute boarding penalty and a game age, and and Kyle Oposo, the former Gopher, who's the captain of the Sabres, rightfully says, I don't have a problem with the call against us. I have a major problem with the fact that that was called against us a night after a player did the exact same thing. So I think this is ridiculous. I think that uh, George Peros, who who is the head of player safety, is dropping the ball consistently. And look, Brodine, and we'll talk about it, is an enormous loss. But more importantly, how the hell does that get no discipline? I... I don't understand how George Peros
1: is still a, the head of the D- Department of Player Safety. It, it seems like it's constantly where we have something and it's, it's similar to what is a catch in the NFL where it's just like, what is violence? We don't know. We spin a wheel and it's either max, maximum allowed $5,000 under the CBA or it's a four-game suspension based on p- previous stuff or we're just not going to do it. We're just going to you know, slap on the wrist. Hey, we acknowledged it. Go ahead. Uh, go on with your day. I I don't understand. And plus you mentioned the one uh, between Buffalo and the Canadians. How about the one, um, it was Florida and Florida and Columbus.
0: I want to say it was Eric Branson got hit. It was. Yeah. And then he attacked cousins after, after that and and he's going to get, and he, and he's going to get in trouble.
1: I, I, I understand the side of the argument for the people out there that's saying it's hockey. You need to expect to get hit. I get that. But at the same time, you should expect to get hit when you can see the player. You know, right, that's correct. when you—that's when you need to be prepared. If if you have no, you, nobody has eyes in the back of their head, and even if you did, you're wearing a helmet, so you're not going to be able to see it regardless. Correct. If add a, it's going to be it's going to be tacky, but frankly, you've already added the um, advertisements on the chest. Put a stop sign on the back, like you have on on Pee Wees and bands. Which is what kids high Yeah, it, it's it's ridiculous that we have to talk about this measurement for pro players. You see the numbers, maybe, maybe don't run the guy into the board's face first. And granted, yeah. maybe it's a little biased, because I'm upset that Bro- Jonas Brodine now is going to miss significant time. I think I'm allowed to be a little biased on that, because frankly, he is I think a, it's biased. He is I don't a, think it's biased. A, it's a ridiculous hit. There's no place in the game for it. That's exactly what they're trying... Like you said, they're trying to get out of the game. So when you don't even discipline him, you know what that tells to the rest of the league, which has been evident over the, the last 72 hours? That hits legal. We do not care. You go ahead and you make the play. You make the physical play so you can win the puck. And now we've seen this three consecutive nights where guys are running people from behind. And now we don't know what what it is. It's either you're not going to get fined. You're going to be suspended. In the retaliation, if you're not going to call that, you're saying you have to police the game yourself. But when you're policing the game yourself, those are the guys who are being reprimanded. It doesn't make sense, Judd. I don't understand it. You need to step in. You need to send a message. Somebody has to be suspended for one of these to say, we have to bring these back. And it honestly, it should have been a Vander Kane and this should have been done with, but yeah. they, they turned a blind eye and now, now it's just the wild West out there.
0: Kane should have gotten five and a game and, and then suspended for a game, at least a game. I, I mean, you look, there was a hit a couple of weeks ago or last week, perhaps it was Philadelphia against Jersey. And I think it was Luke Hughes, the defenseman for the the devils, who is the youngest of the three Hughes brothers. And he took a hit from a Philadelphia player who was called for a penalty and the hit was questionable. Tortorello went nuts and talked about how it's basically become the no hit league instead of no hat, instead of national hockey league. And I understand what he is saying, okay? Because if I recall correctly on that play, Luke Hughes was not expecting to be hit, but he saw the hit coming. He just had his head down. All right, yeah. that's a problem. You got to keep your head up. And there is a case to be made that with the speed of the game now and with the amount that they try to police hits, that if you are in a vulnerable vulnerable position and you can see what's coming, that you need to be paying attention. I totally get that. Mm-hmm. But in the case of Brodeen, his back was turned, like you said. His numbers are in Kane's face. And that's a hit that can paralyze you. That's a hit that can concuss you, paralyze you. I, and I don't understand how there is any inconsistency there. I mean, the National Football League, when it comes to officiating, we all agree it's pretty screwed up, right? Yeah. But when's the last time that you saw a quarterback hit that was violently dangerous? I'm not talking... I'm not talking like so a guy comes in and his helmet hits the guy's face mask and the guy goes backwards a little bit, but does I'm talking about a vicious quarterback hit. When's the last time you've seen that not draw a flag? I can't remember myself because yeah. they are they want to protect that player, the quarterback. Well, I want to protect guys from being paralyzed, which I don't think is too much to ask. No, so I don't think you're biased, and you know, for Kane to get a talking to, and they put a letter in his file you you got to be joking. And now Brodine's out. We don't know how, how long, but it's going to be quite a while. I saw a quote in Russo's game story today off the Seattle win uh, from The Athletic that a player said they basically – he said something along the lines of, their, I hope they can fix him quickly, i.e. he's going to have to have some type of surgical procedure. Um, Brodine was going into last night averaging a team-high 23 minutes and 59 seconds per game. Uh, This is a big loss. Now, Faber, who was second and played brilliantly last night, was averaging 23.25 per game, uh, is a godsend, absolutely. But I'm sorry. This is ridiculous. And the fact that, again, you are losing an absolutely key part of your team because of a hit that was as senseless. That hit did nothing like... He could have slowed himself down and tried to pin Brodine to the boards. Like, there's no reason to go in full speed. You can stop. There's nothing to go. There's no, there's no, like, huge upside of he jarred the puck loose and the Oilers scored a goal. So I'm with you. I think this is ridiculous. Um, I do think, though, that now the more that I watch him, if Brock Faber is not in the Calder conversation, it's ridiculous. This kid is, and look, I like Rossi. I think he's mm-hmm. panned out. He's yeah. fantastic. He's really, he's really good. He works his ass off. His yeah. work in the D zone for a young player is outstanding. All respect to Marco Rossi. Brock Faber deserves to be in the Calder Trophy conversation right there with Bedard and that, and a really good company of rookie players because what this kid is doing for a rookie defenseman age is absolutely incredible.
1: Yeah, and at the end of the day, I think we all know deep down inside that Connor Bedard is just going to win because frankly it, it it's who he is. He's going to put up the points and it doesn't really matter with the deeper analytics if he has a he could be minus 100 when when 82 games are all wrapped up. It's not going to matter. That's a shame though. It oh yeah, it, it is a shame. Uh, especially when you have also a guy like Logan Cooley who's been tearing it up with the Coyotes, really changing yep. their their franchise. But yes, you're you're exactly right. Um Marco Rossi, I think the Wild burned their kind of super old Calder winner a couple of years ago with Caprizov. They're not going to be able to do that again. Even if Rossi starts being a, a point-per-night player the rest of the season, it's going to be hard to kind of yeah. have him get that recognition. And it's going to be hard for Brock Faber, unfortunately, because he's a defenseman. He's not going to have the point production there. What he's doing in terms of the, – the, the conversation here is similar to that of an MVP conversation. How do you value most valuable players Is it just the best who's doing the most, who's producing the most points or is it the most valuable to that team? And that's what this Calder should be. Which rookie is most valuable and has the biggest impact on their respective team? And in that case, it's probably a two horse race at this point between Bedard and um, Bedard and Brock Faber. Brock Faber has, he's going to show exactly just how good he is over this stretch without Brodeen. He's going to eat minutes. He's gonna lock things down on the ice. He's going to be kind of like that that field general, that ice general, who's just yeah. going out there. And when he's out there, you see that number seven along the blue line, your heart rate's gonna go down a little bit because you know, eh, okay, everything's fine. He he's a calming presence out there at the <laughs> as a rookie, which is ridiculous. You should not be asking that when you have a. I mean, Jared Spurgeon, love him, great guy. I think Brock Faber is going to do more for. This team in the absence of of Jonas Brodeen over this next, what is it going to be three four ish weeks? We we're not exactly sure, but until brodeen is back,
0: yeah. Um, on Hockey Night in Canada on Saturday, Elliot Friedman, who is uh, I think right now considered the preeminent insider, said he's been told four weeks, which is probably optimistic. Yeah, but here's something else Hines did that I loved. Okay, mm-hmm. and this is something I don't think Dean does. Hines took Middleton away from Spurgeon and put him with Brock. And look, this is a, it's basically everything that they're doing points to, and I agree with this completely. Brock Faber is our best defenseman. Like we're going to give him everything Spurge used to get, or back in the day, Suter, which drove me absolutely crazy. Faber gets now. Um, which I love. Here's my other question, though, defensively last night. And th- this guy just came back from injury, and I thought it was an underwhelming trade. Zach Bogosian, who before he got hurt, um, the most time he played on ice with the wild was in Nashville on the 30th of November. He played 1507, played 1823, and was absolutely great. Like but If you can get this lift from him, and I don't know if it can be consistent or not, that's huge. But I give the players credit. The defensemen, the blue liners came through last night. I don't know if that's going to be possible consistently, but I do think that Faber gives you a chance here because he's just so good. And now to have Faber, Middleton, and Spurgeon, uh, a year ago, this would have been an absolute disaster. I think now you've got a chance because Brock is so good. He's young. He's in unbelievable shape, and he can just play a ton of time. Oh, what a delight Zach
1: Bogosian was last night. I was not expecting to get done watching 60 Minutes of Hockey and say, you know what, Zach Bogosian, what an addition to this hockey team. I know, he, that's what I'm saying. He did nothing he, for me before. My, my, I was talking to my dad about um uh, he compared him to the Wilds of Radko Gudas. Essentially, he knows yeah. he's a he goes out there. He knows he's a meat shield. He's gonna lay his body in front of shots, try to get as many black and blue bruises as possible, and he's gonna you know be physical with you in the quarter in those dirty areas. He knows he doesn't have to be anything special. Just go out there and try to protect the middle area of the uh, of the slot. And frankly, he did a heck of a job last night doing that. He moved the puck well at times. There wasn't any any the. And this is the thing too. He didn't try to be too cute. That's my biggest, if you know you're that type of player, if you need to hop up in the uh, offensive zone at times, which he did because frankly he was forced to just because he had the puck, immediate retreat. There's nothing wrong with retreat when you're Zach Bogosian. Get back to the right. blue line, do your job. So yeah, Zach Bogosian, if he can keep that up and I, it, as long as I don't have to talk about you every night, you're doing a fantastic job, five stars.
0: I think it helped you played more. Now yeah. the question is, can that continue? Like, or is that going to become a problem because he's not young, but I think it helped. And he, and he talked about this post game, the fact that playing more, you you just sort of uh, go into autopilot for lack of a better term and just, you know, cruise control. But that was nice. Um, the last thing positive Gustafson, I don't know what happened. It's it, and look, he, he got off, if I'm not mistaken, got off to a rocky start a year ago. And we all thought this trade for Talbot, who, by the way, playing great for the Kings. um, But <laughs> we all thought the trade was a disaster. And then ar- around the same time last year, Philip Gustafson started playing outstanding. And it seems like with the coaching change, and he's claiming that it started before Dean got fired. But whatever it is, he looks and he didn't have to be great l- last night. But the goaltending, which looked, you know, with Dean, looked absolutely lost and awful, including Flurry. I thought, on Friday. Because the Oilers are a high-flying group, and that McDavid goal was stupid. Like, I don't know who stops that. How he does that, how he contorts his body and keeps the puck, I have no clue. But the goaltending has gone from weakness and major concern to, if not a strength, at least I think solid. What do you think? I think it has to do with
1: what's going on 200 feet in the opposite direction, honestly. What we saw up until Dean's departure, and maybe, maybe it was changing a little bit before, maybe not. That's, that's whether or not they want to say that in the locker room. You're now seeing them control the puck more in the offensive zone. What that's they were point. doing is the a football equivalent of a three and out. They were going in, getting a shot, and now it's back in our own zone. And that leads to the goaltender being in the crouch a lot. You're going to get tired. in and Marc Andre Fleury, he's not a young spry guy anymore. Yeah. When he's in that true. crouch constantly having to shuffle, shuffle. Okay. Pad across, push across, butterfly, back up. Now we get, he's going to get tired. He's going to get worn down. You're not going to have that, that explosive kind of gymnastic style that you're going to see from Marc Andre Fleury a lot because now he has the energy to do so. And granted, like you said, the, the McDavid goal and kind of what the Oilers do, they're sick. an offensive powerhouse. They're that was like, sick. They're, they're going to score goals, but Philip Gustafson—he's—we've we, learned to know—he's more tactile. He's—he's he's playing the angles correctly. He's more precise with his movements, but that's because he's in that crouch when needed to be. And now that he's not in that crouch, he's up. He's—he's he's catching his breath. He's relaxing more and having to go in there only when he needs to. He's going to play so much better because he's not—he's he, just not fatiguing himself so early in the game. And now you're—you you almost picking and choosing when you want to be a good goalie essentially um so yeah I, I i think it has to do in part with what the rest of the team is doing in terms of maintaining possession in the offensive zone and frankly just keeping the play away from him more which is fantastic giving taking the spotlight off him for a little bit allows him when it is on him to shine even brighter uh but yeah the, the play for him was nice last night he came up with a couple big saves when needed like I said, like I said at the beginning of the show, Seattle isn't necessarily an offensive powerhouse by any means, nope. but they had some chances. He shut them down when needed. And a shutout is big that that does a lot of confidence for a goalie for a position that is so mental. So if that's what needs to get him right, you might say that's like scoring an empty or to break a scoring slump. I don't care. A shutout is a shutout in the NHL. He picks one up. Hopefully that means more good things to come from Gustafson.
0: And the last thing is, off of your point about the previous um, style of play and what was a great comparison, three and outs, the poster child for the change might be Boldy. Matthew Boldy has gone from a guy who maybe, arguably, if you could have, should have watched a game or two from the press box, to seven goals in six games uh, with Hines as his coach. And Hines last night compared him to Erickson Eck, in what he's been doing and what he can do. What? I mean, my God, it's been, what, two weeks? This guy was, honest <laughs> to God, he was not any good. Like, he looked like, I was like, what's wrong with him? And, and you know he is good. He's got yeah. the body. Everything about him screams he should be good. And I don't know what was going on, but this guy has, when you're being compared now to Eck, who is a gamer, I love the two guys I absolutely love, Faber and Eck. Cause they are just gamers. Like they're going to kick your ass. They don't care. And that is in this sport. That's what I want. But Matthew Boldy has gone from being a guy who we were all scratching our heads and complaining about to now, like last night, his first goal, he went back in the defensive zone, made a play, brought the puck in and eventually scored like this. This turnaround has been absolutely crazy given what we saw 15 days ago.
1: Yeah. It would, it would, the turnaround is almost similar to what we've seen in an, on another team with like Pierre Luc Dubois when his in his final waning time with Columbus. There's that infamous like solo shot of him hopping off the bench, that was a he great skates shot. down, yep. you know, stick up at his waist, like he's about to shovel snow. Let's coast into the neutral zone, in the offensive zone, stand around, and all right, back to the bench, and just gets ripped for it. Now, granted, I'm sure every pro has a shift like that every once in a while, just because of how things go, right. I'm not saying Matthew Boldy was completely checked out of it or any means, but it was like the frustration was there to where I think, I I think I told you about this maybe last week, but like for a guy that young experiencing the adversity like that for maybe the first time really to very continuously in his career, that's got to take a toll. And if you don't know how to break that wall down to get back to finding your game, it's just brick after brick. That wall keeps getting bigger and bigger. So he finally gets that, That uh, breakaway goal, a wicked wrister to break the slump, that bust down the wall. Now he's using that as momentum, and like you said, every night now it's just he's doing it. it, It's it's ridiculous because to be compared to Eck, you need you need to have that sort of not the mentality but like the drive as well because you 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 can have one or the other, but if it's not a package deal, you're kind of just like you're not excelling at both, so. The fact that he's now getting back into the defensive zone, getting to the dirty areas, in which he should, because he was playing at times like he was my stature, 5'8". Five, five, he had eight. gone Greenway. He had gone Jordan Greenway. That was and that was my biggest thing with Greenway for the longest time. I agree. You, you are six foot four. Play like Drive it. to the net. You you have a ascend- like if if you're matching up with a Kale McCarr. I know he's good on his skates, but he's not going to outmuscle you. Right. Drive to the net. And put right. a shot on, ruff, ruff, ruffle the feathers of the goaltender. I don't right. want this, okay, now down to the corner, we have to turn back up and dish it. I'm too scared to go to the physical area. Matt Boldy, you have now found your frame again. You now have found this lion's heart. It's, it's been great. It's been great. So this, this turnaround over the past week or so has been super fun to watch. Matt Boldy is scorching hot. I mean, he, he's a guy where right now he's setting the tempo for the game, and I, you know, when he is succeeding, it looks like the rest of the team is too.
0: The goals will, uh, will cool off. The, the style of play should never change. Like, I want to see this every night. Like, what you're doing, oh, you'll yeah. go through stretches where you'll score seven goals in six games. You'll go through stretches where you probably score two goals in ten games. But what we're seeing tonight is what I want you to see every single night. You've got this ability, and that's the thing that Eck does. Eck scores a lot, but you know what? Sometimes he doesn't, but you never, like, you name me, you tell me the last game that Erickson Eck took off. He doesn't. So, like, that's what I want to see. Age, uh, great stuff. We'll be back on Wednesday with Declan and Jesse for another episode of Judd's Hockey Show. Subscribe to all of the good stuff here on Score North. We much appreciate it, and we'll talk to you soon.